Hear the word of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. You can find this reading on page 931 in the Pew Bible. Although I'm free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them. I act like a Jew to the Jews so I can recruit Jews. I act like I'm under the law to those under the law so I can recruit those who are under the law, though I myself am not under the law. I act like I'm outside the law to those who are outside the law so I can recruit those outside the law though I am not outside the law of God, but rather under the law of Christ. I act weak so I can recruit the weak. I've become all things to all people so I could save some by possible means. All the things I do are for the sake of the gospel so I can be a partner with it. The word of God for the world. Praise be to God. The Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary in the history of the church. Because of Paul, Christianity went from a small thing to a massive thing. If it weren't for Paul, Christianity would still be just a small, localized fellowship of people who believe in Jesus. But because of Paul, it spread not only throughout the entire Roman Empire, but throughout the entire Western civilization, and even now through the entire world. If there weren't no Paul, Christianity would look a lot different to us today. For one thing, we probably would be polytheists. We would be worshiping multiple gods. We, we might even just be a small subset of Judaism. We would certainly be just a minority religion across the landscape of religions today. We have a lot to thank the Apostle Paul for. We have a lot to be grateful. All God's people should say, thank you very much. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Someone did say to me last night, thank you for that impersonation. I've missed Don Ho, they said. Anyway, Paul was driven by this conviction. He was driven by the conviction that the gospel is not only true, it was transformative. It could change people's lives. And that's what got him out of bed every morning. It's what pushed him out the door. It's what got him to communicate to the entire world this message because he believed it could change lives. And he was so willing to cross any border or overcome any boundary and speak to anyone, regardless of how different they were from him, that he wrote down these powerful words that Gray just read for us. He said, to the Jews, I became a Jew so that I might influence Jews. To the non-Jews, I became a non-Jew so that I might influence non-Jews. To the weak, I became weak so that I might influence the weak. It was in the heartbeat of Paul to communicate this powerful message. In fact, if you wanted a single verse that captured the entire essence of who Paul was, it may be in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 23, all the things I do. 
or for the sake of the gospel so I can be a partner with it. Paul understood that the message of Jesus never changes, but the messenger does. The way we communicate that message needs to adapt to whoever we are talking to in whatever time we are communicating it. The, the work of the church has to adapt. It has to change, enabling us to take the unchanging message of the gospel to new places, to new people, to communicate it in new ways. The way the church functioned decades ago or even centuries ago may have worked at that time for the particular people that the church was reaching, but the world has changed. Our culture is different now. People hear and experience the message in different ways, so we must adapt with the times. This is nothing new. I mean, marketing people tell us this all the time. National ad agencies know that no matter how much you believe in the message, you have to communicate that message in a way that the people will understand it. Otherwise, it won't make any difference at all. I think about the Chevy Corporation. Chevrolet, back in the 1980s, had a bit of a marketing snafu on its hands with the car called the Nova. The Chevy Nova sold pretty well in this country. Some of you maybe even have driven a Nova in the past, but it didn't quite sell very well to our neighbors in the south, in Mexico. Why? Because Nova in Spanish means no go. <laughs> they needed to adapt their messaging. Another example, Purdue Farms, a distributor of chicken products. Some of you maybe have eaten Purdue Farms chicken. Back in the 1990s, it had a national ad campaign to promote the fact that Purdue Farms chicken was so tender that you didn't need to have muscles, you didn't need to be a bodybuilder to tenderize Purdue Farms chicken. So they had a national slogan. It said, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken clever. It's all right. But in Latin America, they had to adapt their messaging because that same message translated into Spanish was, it takes a virile man <laughs> to make a chicken affectionate. Not sure what you're supposed to do with Purdue Farms chicken, <laughs> but it requires virility, so. My favorite one is Pepsi, who once had an ad slogan, Pepsi brings you back to life. All right. But they realized in China, the message didn't quite translate, because in China, Pepsi was promising that, quote, Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. <laughs> doesn't matter how true your product is. doesn't matter how much you believe it. If you don't adapt the messaging so that people in different times, in different places, in different cultures 
can receive it. That's as true for Fifth Avenue marketing agencies as it is for the Bible, for the Christian faith. Just ask the Bible translators. Sally Campbell-Evans, who was preaching in the other services this morning, told me a story from the Congo. In the Congo, the Bible verse in which Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, means absolutely nothing to the people living in remote villages in the Congo where their houses have no doors. So the verse in the Congolese Bible says, I stand at the door and cough. Paul would remind us that we should never be so protective of the Bible and no, never be so protective of the faith or the gospel that we are afraid to communicate it in new ways to new people in different cultures who speak and act differently than in the past. And that's why. That's why on this last Sunday when we wrap up our four-part series on our new vision plan that was adopted last fall, we end with the word that we end with today. After we have talked about deepening our discipleship and our commitment to Jesus, the word deepen in week one, after we talk about widening that reach of God's love to all people without exception, without exclusion, without judgment, the word widen in week two, and then last week when we talked about uniting together despite all our differences, it gets all summed up in this one word, adapt. Adapt. In fact, in our vision plan that we adopted last December, this, this paints the fullest and clearest picture. This paragraph from the vision plan talks about what it is that will chart our future together. It says, a clear and overarching conclusion of the work of the vision team is that we are living in a world today that requires us to adapt how we think and approach activities in ways that will allow us to be flexible and open to trying new things. We must be adaptive in the way we communicate and live out our mission to reach out to a growing population increasingly disconnected from the church and disinterested in the Christian faith. That statement alone echoes the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. This is what ought to get us out of bed in the morning. This is what ought to articulate our reason for existence as a church. The message of the gospel is true, but we need to message that word in new ways. We enter a season in our ministry and in our life together now where teams of people are now going to be taking that vision plan and implementing it to look for new, innovative, and creative ways to take the message of the gospel and communicate it to a growing number of people out there. Some estimates say 60% of our surrounding population are either formerly churched or widely disinterested in church. We might call them the unchurched or the de-churched. Some, of them have, some have called them the nuns and the duns, people who have no religious affiliation whatsoever or are done with organized religion entirely, people who have no interest whatsoever in organized religion. This is what compels us. This is a different time than centuries ago or even decades ago. 
But even though the message of the gospel is still as true as ever before, we need to adapt for the sake of the people who are not yet a part of it. This is who we are. This church, Hyde Park, United Methodist, has had a long, rich, 120-year history of adapting. It's in our DNA. It's in our genes. It started in 1899 with a small group of Sunday school people who made the long trip across the Hillsborough River from First Methodist downtown into the vast wilderness of Hyde Park. And their faithfulness planted a church that still exists today at the corner of Platt and Magnolia. Our history was born in adaptation. In the 1950s and the early 2000s, we adapted our our campuses and our, our facilities to create buildings that would serve as tools to help new people experience the love of God in new ways. We've created new worship services over the last 25 years. We adopted our mother campus at First Methodist, and now it's our Portico campus. This church for decades has had a long history of adapting the message so that we could speak the language of the culture around us, to reach out to people who have been disillusioned by experiences in the church in the past. This is who we are, and this is what we are uniquely equipped and called to do. A couple weeks ago, I shared with you some new statements that are part of our rebooted mission and vision. Now, more than ever, we are called to make God's love real. That hasn't changed. You ask somebody, What does it mean to make God's love real? Our response is we make God's love real by loving God and loving all. Loving all people without exclusion, exception, or judgment. But our new vision plan includes this statement that clarifies what it means to be the church in a changing culture today. This is what it means to adapt. Though people have had problems in their past Because they experienced religion at its worst, we believe the best answer to our problems is religion at its best. It is the good news that God is with all of us, loves us enough to meet us where we are, and loves us too much to leave us there. That good news given to us in Jesus Christ is called the gospel. And it is our calling to show that love in a real way to all people, to teach them how to follow Jesus and how to love God and others. This is who we are. That statement charts the course for our future. It is what will motivate us to be the church that God has called us to be. We will still minister to the people who are still here, who are here like all of us. We will minister to the people who already speak the language of the faith, people who are fluent in Christianity because of their background. But we are ultimately compelled to reach out to people who are not yet a part of this church, maybe because they have had bad experiences with churches in the past. Maybe they have been burnt by organized religion. Maybe there has been harm done to them. Maybe their natural skepticism and their natural questioning has made them wonder about if any of this Christian faith is real or true, regardless of their lot in life, we are compelled 
to reach out to people to remind them that even though their problems may have come from religion at its worst, we believe the best answer to our problems is organized religion at its best. I got to tell you, the best way for us to be the church, the best way to show people religion at its best is not just to come up with the right program, not just the right ministries, not just to tweak this or that in terms of our structures and our systems. We'll do all of that. We'll create whatever environment we need to to be the healthiest church we can. But the best way to show people religion at its best is you. And it's me. And it's in our relationships with people. It's in the natural ways that we relate to other people. Not just a program or a ministry, not just tweaking the church systems here and there. It is the way we embody the love of God with people that we know each and every day. You want to know who was really good at doing that? John Wesley. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, just like the Apostle Paul, in his DNA was adaptation. In his DNA was trying to become all things to all people to communicate to them the timeless love of God. He knew that there were people out there in England that would never step foot in, in a conventional form of church. He knew that there were homeless and hungry people on the streets. He knew that there were people who worked day and night long hours out in the coal mines, so he adapted. He learned to speak the language of cultures that were different from his, so he adopted open-air preaching. He went out into the fields to communicate the gospel. He preached in front of coal mines, and then he decided to reach out to people's bodily needs. He, he fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. He went out and he established schools and hospitals in order to communicate God's love in new ways to new people, knowing that that old adage of if we build it, they will come didn't work for him. So he went out there, one by one, one relationship at a time. And if that was in his DNA, it's part of yours too. Your natural daily relationships with people you interact with every day, that is the venue in which God's love can transform people's lives where people could experience religion at its best. That's who we are. And wouldn't it have been nice if John Wesley had left for us some practical tips on how to embody God's love with other people? Wouldn't it have been nice if, if he, for example, had left us with, I don't know, three practical steps, just three perhaps simple rules? How's that for a setup? John Wesley left for us three very simple practical words of advice, three simple rules that, in fact, we call the three simple rules <laughs> of, of Methodism. If you don't know them, they're simple enough to memorize. And I invite you to not only memorize them, but incorporate them into your behavior. Here they are. John Wesley's three simple rules in your relationships with other people. Do no harm. Do good. 
stay in love with God. In fact, I'll invite us to say these together. Number one, do no harm. Number two, do good. Number three, stay in love with God. It's that simple. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Number one, do no harm. Wesley was very clear. Watch the way you treat other people. Guard in your heart the way you perceive them. Do not dehumanize them in the way you perceive them or the way you relate to them. Do not strip them of their dignity. Honor God with your actions, with what you say, with what you do, with what you do with your bodies, in the way you treat other people's bodies. Do not cheat other people. Do not put them down. Do not inflate your self-esteem at the expense of someone else's self-esteem. The best way I know to say it is this. Do not be the reason that someone has been harmed by organized religion at its worst. Do not be the reason that someone has been burnt by the church or walked away from Jesus. Do no harm. Number two, do good. I mean, how simple is that? Do good. It's, it's one of the first things we teach our kids. And it's one of the hardest things for children of God to remember. Just do good. Use your actions and your words to better the well-being of someone else. Wesley specifically says this, it this way. Do good of every possible sort as far as possible to all people. That pretty much covers it. Do good of every possible sort as far as possible to all people. But in case you need more explanation, Wesley even covers this. He says, give to their bodies by giving food to the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting or helping them that are sick or in prison, give to their souls by encouraging and guiding and comforting them. I think that pretty much covers it. Wesley says, do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the people you can in all the times you can as long as you ever can. That ought to be your mantra, your heartbeat. And the way you relate to other people, you will simply do good to them. For people who have been burnt by religion at its worst, you might be the reason that they come to find religion at its best. And you might be the very conduit through which God's love and God's grace can transform their lives just as the way Paul experienced it day after day. You need to be a Jew to the Jews in order to recruit Jews. You can be a non-Jew to the non-Jews in order to recruit non-Jews. To that, to that neighbor, you can be a good neighbor in order to influence that neighbor. To that new coworker that's joined your firm, you could be a generous coworker in order to influence that coworker. To every person that you know, you could be a decent and loving human being so that you could show to them the decent, loving, beautiful, and transformative love of God. Do good. But you know what? 
None of it matters unless you honor step number three. Because you could do all the good you want to, but at the end of the day, this is much more than just being nice. At the end of the day, this church is much more than just a charitable agency. It's not just about not doing harm, and it's not just about doing good. None of it matters unless it's motivated out of a heart of love for God. That is the central question for followers of Jesus. It's not just about what we do, it's why we do it. And for John Wesley, it was very clear. We do it to love God. And so whatever you do, grow closer in your relationship with Jesus. Honor those spiritual practices that you know very well you need to do. Make worship a priority. Be faithful in your prayers. Diligent in your reading of Scripture. Observe fasting. Give to God financially a portion, a percentage of your income. Make God the number one priority of your life and let that be the motivation that you impact the lives of other people. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And you know what? If you strive to be three for three, you and I can be part of religion at its best. If you and I make God's love real, not just to people who are like us, but to all people without exception, exclusion, or judgment, you and I can be part of religion at its best. If you and I take the the timeless truths of the gospel and are unafraid to communicate it in innovative, culturally appropriate ways that communicate it to the language of the people who are different from people in the past, we can be part of religion at its best. Now more than ever, people need to experience this God, a God who loves them enough to meet them where they are and loves them way too much to leave them there. We are all part of that mission. We are all called to adapt our thinking and our behavior to keep following these three simple rules of John Wesley. Pop quiz. Let me see if you can remember them without putting them on the screen. Number one, do no harm. Number two, do good. Number three, Now, how hard was that? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this challenge that you give to us through the remarkable example of the Apostle Paul. The way that you call us to not keep your love to ourselves, but to communicate it in adaptive and innovative ways. Thank you for blessing this church with the means to do remarkable things, We already see evidence of your love made real through what we are doing. Now may that love sink deeply into our spirits to motivate us to communicate in new ways to new people, especially to those who would otherwise choose to walk away from you. Forgive us, forgive your church for the ways that we have caused harm to people. Help us to be part of a solution that embraces people through your love and calls us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help us especially in this ongoing endeavor to do no harm, to do good, 
and to stay in love with you each and every day. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say, amen. And so, in response to God's Word this morning, we invite you to prepare your gifts, your offerings, your prayer cards, and the commitment of your hearts as together we become the church that God has called us to be. We invite the ushers to come forward at this time.